welcome to Space Brows, the feminist science fiction movie podcast for bad bitch feminists. I'm Mary Johnston, and this feminist masterpiece next to me is Kate. <laughs> How are you, Kate? I'm doing excellently. How are you doing, Mary? Oh, you know, as well as anyone can be at this glorious uh, part of history. Juncture <laughs> in history. Yeah. Hey, hey team, Um, because... We're stuck in a time box. But not too much. Sending out a message. Not too bad. Uh, not too bad. Mary and I have been uh, keeping track of the Iowa caucus results as they're coming in. So, you know, it's a it's a rip boring good time over here. Oh hope, hope it is for you as well. Yeah. And the end of January was uh, was a was a tough look um, for Western <laughs> civilization as a general. Indeed uh, it was. What just, a fun, fine time. Um, But this time, we're going to get to talk about a little special series known as The Mandalorian, uh, right before we dive into The Last Jedi, which is what I think is a feminist masterpiece. So, you know, thanks, Mary, for the shout out. That was my reference. Uh, lighting me. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I got it. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down, and I love it. <laughs> See my eye? It's winking at you. Um, <laughs> I love The Mandalorian. Uh, oh man tepid tepid take of the century the mandalorian is quite good (laughs) also the most tepid take baby yoda pretty cute oh my gosh so cute the storytelling is just so fun i think that this proves you know i know this about myself and i've known this about myself since i've been i watched the original trilogy as a child um i kind of don't care about the force as much or jedis (laughs) This might be why you don't enjoy the latest trilogy as or much as the prequels. I was able to. I just don't care. I'm, okay, I don't like the prequels either. Let's not. Yeah, don't no, lump, I, don't that, lump me into there, right? I, no, 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 no. But like, but that's that's one of the reasons I don't like the prequels either. Is that they're like, it's just George yeah, Lucas being yeah, like, yeah. you know what's the coolest Jedi's, and I'm like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> I I also really enjoy the Mandalorian. I but love it's all the spaghetti it's all westerns. the spaghetti western love, parts, which is my yeah, favorite part. It's, it's it's transporting uh, a spaghetti western into the Star Wars universe via the broad, beautiful shoulders of Pedro Pascal. Not mm. that you really get to look at him a lot, but uh, we know we know. He's I mean, there. if we if you he know. did, then he would have to stop being Mando. So I know. In addition to bringing us the gift that is Baby Yoda and uh, the handmade Baby Yoda ornament that uh, my dear co-host Mary made for me for Christmas, which oh, um, I, I should take a picture of. Love. Take a picture and post it on our social meds. I I one hundred percent will because I'm actually going to take it to work and have it live on my desk during the year. Oh, it's really cute, and then we'll go back on, you know. But the show also brought us the great Cara Cynthia Dune, played by the great Gina Carano, who you might know from Haywire, who actually came into acting second after her kickboxing career. But I'd like to say. I find to be very engaging, captivating, and a good actress in this, and a lot of fucking fun. And a yeah, bad I hope bitch. I hope she has a larger. My only, my only complaint is not enough. More, more, oh, more, totally. More. Well, and she, we know that she's back in season two because uh, before season one was even over, she was being interviewed when she was like, "Well, we're in the middle of filming season two right now, so can't really talk about what's coming." Which was like, "Oh, thank God." <laughs> yeah, we're like, but you answered the main question I had, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, totally. Hopefully she'll be in it enough such that I, so far I wish we could do an episode for Space Bros. This so podcast, far, yeah. yeah. 
so far there really hasn't been like a lot of theming that I feel like we could make a meal out of, even though I would love to talk about it. Um, totally. Like there's, there's a lot of fun happening there, but there's not, there's just not enough for like a full episode. So what we're saying, John Favreau and, uh, Disney overlords is listen, we know you want us to cover this on our podcast. It's so your number one priority. It's, it's your number of priority. Do us a solid. More Cardoon. I'm cool with having some more Damien Sedaris. Like, whatever. Oh, I am Just, you know. more than cool. I frankly demand oh my God. more. Of, who, I, oh, my the, God. Especially in Ripley cosplay. Oh, oh. Who was the casting genius who, lo- who thought to themselves, you know who deserves to be a character in Star Wars? <laughs> Amy Sedaris. I would have never made the connection myself, but she makes so much sense in this world. She I really love does. her. She does such oh. a good job. And her like rapport with her robots is perfect because it's almost like everything Amy Sedaris has been in up until now really was just would have benefited from her having um extraterrestrial sidekicks so robotic or otherwise she is a a person an actress who can play off like surreal things like muppets totally really zany character she can like carry that weight and to like realize that that would like do so well in star wars is um, brilliant it's absolutely brilliant i loved her so much well without further ado let's dive into the last jedi well, Mary, I'm really excited to talk to you about The Last Jedi. Uh, but first, you want to tell us your first impressions? First impressions, I interpreted this to mean how I felt going into the movie, seeing it for the first time in 2017. Sure, sure, sure. Because otherwise we're talking about, like, when I rewatched it to analyze it and pick it apart like a vulture, and that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's quite that's different. Totally. In 2017, I remember... Going in, feeling, still feeling the queasiness of Force Awakens, which I did not enjoy, as we know, and feeling generally optimistic when I came out of it, but also kind of like, this is great ideas. I'm uneasy about the dismount of it. That's how okay. I felt. All right. Yeah. All right. You know, Mary, it's it's okay to be wrong. You know, not everyone can be perfect. Well, oh, oh, you just brought a knife to a gunfight, lady. No. It's hey, okay hey, hey, to. Hey. I'm a- like BB-8 all over, all over Cantabite, solving problems and flicking coins, okay? You're all, don't, you're don't, like BB-8. Don't block my shine. You're like BB-8, which after Force Awakens, they were like, we kind of have like too many droids. Add more droids? Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah, not yeah. at all like that. You're not at no, all no, like no. that. No, no, no. I, I, I know that I am not the excess droid of our podcast. But I know. But they like that they were like BB-8. That was the original, though. And you're like R2D2 is right there. Like R2D2 is right there. He's sad, <laughs> but like he's right there. Anyway. Yeah, he's just not as cute or as big or as like visually able to emote, but he does get a moment. It doesn't matter. Hey guys, Kate. we're here to talk about the last Jedi. I'm like clutching my pearls. R two D two is great. He's probably my R2 favorite character. R two D two is great. Okay, <laughs> of ahead. this movie, Kate, tell us what this movie's about. Of this movie? Oh no, 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 no. He's done so okay. dirty. He and okay. C three PO are done so dirty in these movies. Carry okay, on. Okay, okay, okay. <clears throat> All right, so I'm going to give us a little plot overview. Yeah. So first, the Resistance has to deal with the cost of war and realizes that they are a tractor in hyperspace. Ray goes to Luke, like in the end of Force Awakens, who apparently was hiding for a reason and is not super stoked to join the fight. 
Ben Solo slash actually Kylo Ren and Ray find out they can force time, which is like FaceTiming, but like if you're connected by the force and like you can't see each other's like environment, but they're like just there with you. It's actually filmically done really cool. It's actually is- my dream for, for, for FaceTime. I want them <laughs> to just see me, but not where I am. Too. Yes. That would be ideal. That would be ideal. Uh, Ray decides she can turn Kylo Ren to Ben Solo. Laura Dern has a great idea that in order to save the resistance, they need to like just go to this base. And um, a bunch of men ruin everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, Luke comes in at the last minute, just like he said he wouldn't, to face down like the entire army of the First Order, but it's not actually him. He's... FaceTiming in himself. I mean, force timing. Anyway, it's a great movie. It sounds cheesy, but give it a chance. And we're here to talk about it. So, to start off, who runs the galaxy? I mean, world. I mean, girls. Uh, let's talk about the women in uh, The Last Jedi. All right. Right up front. My favorite part, the thing that this movie does the most successfully, and it tries to do a lot of things. So, I say that with no small, like, I say that as this is a high compliment, and cool, cool, cool. there's a lot. I'm, there's a lot wait. in the running. The best thing this movie does is they people the Star Wars universe with women, and they give those women stuff to do, and they give those women things that are significant. Like that, being yeah. a woman is significant. Like well, it's some, not like I yes right, some of it okay, yes some okay, of it yes. I think, that, I think that them being women influences their characters more than it does in the Force Awakens. Probably that's true. Yes, but like okay. most, but like even more importantly, like there are women all over this. There are women flying flying um, spacecrafts. There are women in casinos. X-wings there are and women bombers. And... Yeah, there are women working on spaceships. There are women living in little villages. There are women all over this, and that is really cool. And that is, I think, my favorite thing about this movie is that they people it, and I love particularly one woman they introduce more than anybody in this trilogy as my new favorite character legitimately is introduced here. Rose, Durr. Okay, well, that's so funny because I actually want to start us off with Paige Tieka, uh, Rose's older sister, because... Ah, the bomber. Yeah, because upon watching this again for our podcast... What I found was really powerful is that this movie deals with the cost of war in a way that the other movies don't Correct. by actually assigning like real value. It's not just red shirts. And the first real moment we get of this is with our opening sequence that includes Paige and some really beautiful filmic moments. So just to like recap us a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> under Poe Dameron's leadership, the resistance is trying to take out a dreadnought, which can destroy like entire fleets it's just a really powerful enemy like super uh ship super star destroyer kind of thing and they're bringing in these bombers and all the bombers get taken out except for one it's uh it's it's piloted by Paige, and she realizes the person who's supposed to drop the bombs is actually dead so she has to climb up to the top finds the uh, remote and immediately gets knocked down to the bottom. And there's this beautiful filmic sequence where, like, the sound goes out. You think that maybe she's fallen to the ground, like, through space. And instead, she's just caught. She's looking up at the bombs. She realizes that the remote is within range. We see her kicking uh, the stairwell, trying to get the remote to fall down. It falls past her. It looks like it's going to float into space. And she reaches it and she touches it. And she's able to trigger it. And you see her holding on to a necklace and knowing she's about to die, but that her death will mean something and will mean saving lives. 
And it's this beautiful sequence wherein someone who is not considered to be a Jedi clearly is using the Force, clearly is tapping into this, and is really giving herself to the cause and really believes in it, but in a way that is tragic, not just heroic. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that sets the tone for what this movie does incredibly well. Yes, I agree. I will pay. I think that sequence is. I will pay it another high compliment. It reminds me of Rogue One, which is my favorite mm-hmm. of the new Star Wars films. Um, Fair. It reminds me a lot of that. Um, yeah. So something that you brought up there too is that it that her death matters. Does yeah. her death matter in the long run? That's something I will explore later in this. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm I'm interested because I think that uh it'd be worth going to Rose next. Yes, I love Rose. I think that Paige's importance to Rose is how Paige's legacy lives throughout the film. Yeah. Instead of just being a cutscene. I can speak a little bit about Rose. So yeah. I did a little bit of reading about Rose. Rose is a Rose is my favorite new character. She's the best underdog we've ever seen yeah. in any Star Wars media that I can think of, which I'm not like, you know, I don't like get into the books. Yeah, you haven't, comics, you so haven't like, read all the graphic novels in the books, but you mean don't like in all me. the live I'm, action not, stuff that's been out there, to. right? You know what, nerds, don't at me. Um, <laughs> also, guys, I'm here for you. Like, that's literally why oh. we're going to have a bonus episode so we can start talking about extra stuff. The point is that like, while Mary's coming in here, like most fans watching the live action, I'm coming in here with a little bit more extra knowledge, so... We're representing both sides of the fandom, right? Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, no, I feel like yeah. it's true. So I did some reading. So you can, you can like, die reading all the extra, like, yes. extra information yes. and factoids and everything. But I like Rose enough that I looked into it. Why, why was she created? What's her deal? Mm-hmm. And Johnson said that he wanted to put a character into the Star Wars universe that is not that doesn't seem like she would belong in a Star Wars film. And I don't actually typically agree with that, but I'm going to take the very snide approach and say that he's right because one thing she's blue collar yet not a criminal. Yes. And two, she's a woman, and three, she's not a white person, so you're right. She doesn't look like she belongs in a Star yep. Wars movie. Um, but the other stuff I'm like, I mean, I feel like 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 regular old people like Doing awesome stuff is actually pretty Star Wars Ian. Um, they were she was originally supposed to be sort of this like um misanthrope, very grouchy, like an Eeyore character. And the <laughs> I'm only glad that they moved away from that. Well, the only reason they did is because um they cast uh Kelly Tran. Kelly Marie Tran? Yeah. And yeah. she really revamped this character and they they made it more like her. And I think that's why Rose has such like weight and resonance for such a character yeah. that is so new. Like she really does feel like a real person. And when she says things and she feels things, you feel them and you feel that they are true as well. Yeah. Um, definitely, like definitely she ushers in the sense of collateral, the collateral damage of war, which is, I think the most interesting subplot that this movie introduces. And yeah, the I, idea. Think it, I think I would say it's a huge subplot because, you know, we're talking about war profiteering and, and, and the cost of it. But yeah, yeah, I yeah. agree. I mean, it's like it's like one of the bi- it's like one of the three. Right. Yeah. Like it's her it's her and Finn's story, basically. Yeah. Um, and then Poe has his thing and then um, Ray has her thing. <laughs> Poe's po like accidental misogyny. Uh, you know, whatever. It's fine. Why? Hey, I like Poe for the record. Poe, you don't think oh. that a little bit of the. Oh, no, 
to Poe's like totally a misogynist in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's, that's what I was saying. Like he's got some. Ac- I'm calling it accidental misogyny because we're supposed to like think he's not a misogynist uh, by the end. We're gonna and in get the next in. movie. We're but, gonna you know. get into yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Anyway, anyway. Into it. Um, <laughs> but it 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 kills me. The thing, the part. So of course, this movie received lots of blowback. And people are angry about it. And people center a lot of their anger at this character. Which and is wild. That straight up is just... And it's so much so that uh, Kelly canceled her Instagram account. She could not deal with nasty fans coming after her the way that they were. And um, she wrote a really awesome... Um, Op-ed. Yeah which I think we'll post in our, for the New York Times, which I will post, we should post in our yeah. in our uh, show notes because it's really, really good. Yeah, she's the coolest. <laughs> I really yeah. like her. She also has like a great line at the very end where she says, that's how we're going to win, not by destroying what we hate, but by saving what we love. And I think that that's a really beautiful idea. Yeah. Even if that scene is not like the strongest scene in the film. I don't care. It's beautiful. Yeah, I don't, I hate that they're like, she's in love with Finn. I'm like, no. Why right. would she right. be like respectfully? <laughs> I mean, don't what has be... he done to be? No, I don't like get me wrong. A lot, but Boyega is a smoke show. Like yes. I, I'm in love with him, but like she's not in love with him. The entire thing is her realizing that heroes aren't real. That is like her narrative arc. Is that the idea? Yeah. The ideal hero is not a real thing, and that war is not a, a heroic action. That's her no. whole deal. So why is she in exactly. love with him? It drives me nuts. I hate that decision. No, but, yeah. But, but it I, doesn't lo- I love really... what you just said. I think that is exactly what she represents. That there's no such thing as an ideal hero and that war's not heroic. Yeah. Yeah. So I really like her. Saving people's heroic. Yep. War is not. What lady are we talking about next? I thought we could talk about Vice Admiral Holdo. Holdo! Played by the incomparable Laura Dern. Oh. I mean the biggest, the biggest star grab, really, of this of this franchise. Yeah. Well, and like I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do this for a lot of things. But do you want to know a little bit of background on Vice Admiral Holdo and Princess Leia Organa or General Leia Organa's backstory? I know some things, but why don't you tell me? Okay, so when they were both uh, on Alderaan and then were initially like a part of this, like. You know, like, young leaders of tomorrow. Sort of like a model UN thing, but for the Galactic Republic, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, And she wore, like, This is how you can tell that, like, a very certain kind of people write this kind of thing. Carry on. Yes, no, 100%. (laughs) And she, like, wore all rainbow, which no one else did, and, like, had, like, weird ideas, but... um, She's supposed to be queer, right? Yes. Although... I Like, that's what I'm telling you. I think there's a lot of queer subtext there. But it's none of it is is text-text, which is a bummer. In this. No, but 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 we get the like that this is post Han, like widow Leia's, you know, girlfriend kind of subtext for lesbians, you know, which I'm gonna hold on to because it's more satisfying than the little bit of queer representation we get in a later film that we're not gonna talk about because this is about the last Jedi, not about Rise of Skywalker. Mm. Anyway, you these know. films are not gutsy on that front. Like they just no, know no, you no. can't you can't deny. They're just not gutsy. No, there there there's no guts there. But but you know, like it she proves herself to Leia time and again, and they become dear friends from their time at Model UN Galactic Empire. 
stuff uh, as kids, and it's fun. Anyway, let's talk about uh, the actual on-screen character. I love this character. I love that they included a plot line about women in power and what women in power have to go through. Yes! Yes! Like, the fact that, like, she's being, like, told off by... Mm. By Poe? By... Yeah. By a non-white man? That was a bad choice. (laughs) By a non-white man who's like... (laughs) That was a bad choice. That's Vice Admiral Holdo? Like, the Vice Admiral Holdo? I would have thought you would have been different. You know, like, different, like having a penis. That's what I would have thought. Where's the penis? Where's your penis? Hey, question? Where's your penis? Um, (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, for sure. Just like, I've seen a lot of trigger-happy fly boys in my day, and that's not what we need right now. I'm like, yeah, bitch. Anyway. Um, um yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and all of that is all of that is great and I like the things she says to him with the small I, I like this story. It doesn't and I and I think it's very important in the Star Wars universe to have a story like this where men not respecting women's authority is played out. I do have issue with it cuz I feel like they could have been gutsier with it and they decided not to mostly to save Poe but they also threw Poe under the bus. And I feel like yeah. it was a lateral move in that decision. I don't like what a gatekeeping boss she is. Like, no, for sure. Like, like she doesn't she share doesn't her story t- with him. She doesn't. She tell could communicate. Him. She doesn't tell him anything. To, and actually, it reminded me a lot. To of be fair, father knows like, best, Bossington, which I hate, which I hate so much. No, for sure. But if he had known less, then the first order wouldn't have found out their plan. That is the only redeeming factor that is in her trying to keep information away. That is true. Is it like but then that... him finding out stuff is why she has to sacrifice herself and go into light speed. That is true, but then actually that's Finn and Rose's fault more so. And I that's just garbage. Sure, but they wouldn't have had that information without him knowing that I know, but they so trusted... So I understand why it would be they me to know. They trusted that guy. It's just like weird. Like there's a deframement. I feel like they were afraid. What I think should have happened is... Uh, also... Before I go into it, I hate, I hate this part. And I just want to say this line of dialogue, Fair. which I hate. Poe says, cut it, lady. We have a fleet. We're down one ship. You've told us nothing. Tell us we have a plan. Tell us there's hope. When I served under Leia, she said hope is like the sun. If you only believe in it when you see it, no. No. No, 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 no. What she should have said is she should have said, we do have a plan. It's none of your business. I'm keeping it quiet so that you don't blow it. Bye. That's what she should have said. As opposed to saying, have faith in me. I hate that. Or like, patience, young one. I hate that. They make her into like a patronizing male boss. I've never had a woman boss that was like this. Ever. No, me either. Ever. I hate that line. And also I hate hate that Leia said something like that ever. Also, that's not like her. (laughs) What is she, a greeting card? Um, so there's a moment where I'm all like, right, right. where I'm like, I kind of agree with Poe. Like, this person's not telling me what they're doing. I, I, I think we're all supposed, <laughs> I think that that's yeah. why it takes those chances is so that, like, we have a moment of empathy with Poe. Even, like, because you do wonder, like, what the, f- like, are, is this just cowardice and shit? Is this just a suicide mission? And that is literally just for the narrative, not for plot sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I agree with that being a problem. Yeah. I just think it would have been more pro- powerful if she was like, look, here is the whole plan. This is what it is. And Poe is like, no, that's weak. We should attack them. We're not running away. And then went behind her back and ultimately got her killed because of it. Like the same thing could have happened. 
However, yeah. we can't have that because we can't have a likable main character get a person killed, but that's exactly what happens. So wait, what are we doing again? <laughs> like, yeah, 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 fine. I just, I don't want to, I also don't want to, oh, I don't want to, oh, so, well, you but, know, I, like. But you should, honestly, at the end I of this know. movie. No, I know. And in fact, like when I, yeah. when I sent out a call to some dope feminists online about like what they wanted us to talk about, they were like, what a fucking shit Poe is in this movie. And I'm like, you know, he is. you're not wrong. So for the he record, is, hey, dope feminists of the Benjamin Feminist uh, Facebook group, I hear you and you're not wrong. You're right. You're not wrong. He's a real I, jackass. I hate him at right? the end of this movie. The only reason I feel halfway normal at the end, because I was ready to like Poe a lot. The only reason I'm halfway normal is I've displaced all of my love that was previously existing on Poe onto Rose. And so it's yeah, I feel healed. Um, but and Good. then and then Good. annoyingly enough, I feel like there's just like such an obvious moment like does. So, OK, so all that basically happens. Right. Poe. Yeah. Not meaning to gets whole Haldo killed. Right. Mm hmm. And and it's kind of and it's kind of defrayed because like, yeah, he knew and he had this told his friends and his friends actually are the one. Mm, meh, meh. So there's like enough thing there. But you never really see him. He gets like one moment where he like plasters himself against a window and then you never see him being like, I got her killed. That's my fault. I am bad. Yeah. So instead. No, it would be great to see him actually coping with that. And then yeah. you would actually feel like he had a real arc. Yeah. But that, again, that would have taken more guts than. To be fair, I think Ryan Johnson uses a lot of guts in this filmmaking. But I that th is a bridge too far for him, and that's too bad. Yeah. Because it would have been really strong. You're yeah. right. That's that's my whole thing. I'm like, he did this cool and thing. And he should have, like, literally named something after her in the next movie, if if there is a next movie. Who knows if there's a next movie? This is just about The Last Jedi. I'm going <laughs> to shut up. We don't know anything. We don't know anything. Um, anyway. uh, and I think they could have even... I don't even think they could ne necessarily need to, like, whop you over the head with it. But I think that what we're supposed to believe is when all of those, like, little, like, jet ski planes are like charging on that cannon and poe is like no we can't do this everyone's gonna die and he's like everyone retreat we got to go back this is not gonna work go back and finn's like i can do it that is supposed to mirror the first scene with poe being like leia i can it do it i can do it just let me do it and yeah. he should have said finn don't be such a fly boy i said retreat and then you would know that the message had landed. Like, boom, there it Absolutely. would have been. But it's I, and and it would have made a little more sense than like as much as I love Rose saving him in terms of like the fact no, that she gets garbage. to deliver that line. It's garbage. It doesn't the laws of we're not a hard science podcast, and we understand no. that Star Wars is more mythos and and like totally and and than it is uh, hard sci-fi. So we're not going to talk about the physics of everything, but. What I will say is, if you're traveling a straight line at full speed and people behind you pull off and do a big circle around, and then they're still able to somehow intercept you and knock you off course, that doesn't make sense. No. I make a lot of allowances for a million things in this movie. That was the one part that I'm just like, I, I just don't understand. Like, even if we saw him, like, slow down or, like, lose gas or, like, he just has to use his momentum or anything, in anything, then it would have made more sense. But, like... No, I don't get it. So, so yeah. that would have that would have been a lot cooler. Yeah. You're right. And so I also kind of feel like if they had known that Leia, that Carrie Fisher was going to die. Yeah. They one million percent <laughs> would have not done what they did, I think. But maybe I'm wrong. 
Do you think... Would not have done what thing that they did? Oh, uh, they wouldn't have let Haldo get fridged. Um, but that... Yeah, they would have kept Holdo around so she could have, like... Probably. But now... So that's what I believed when I first saw it. I was like, definitely they wouldn't have. But now that I'm thinking about it, I was like, is this, like, a story where it's... Where she's only gonna get, like, final acceptance? Because it feels like they, like, take you up to the brink, and then they take two steps back. They're like, well, yeah. Poe's a misogynist, but he's not that bad. Uh, he didn't really know. So it's okay. And Holdo was... Withholding information for kind of no reason. And, <laughs> like, right? Like, like in so many movies and TV shows where characters... let Okay, to be fair. To be fair. Uh, Holdo's maybe withholding information. But, Mary, did you know that R2-D2 is the narrator of the entire story and has never had his memory wiped and is withholding information through 99.9% of the entire Star Wars saga. Did you know that? Yeah, that's why he's like a little bleep bloop dick. I mean, that's why yeah. I love him. A little shit. Yeah. But that is Just true. so we're clear, that's she's true. not the first or the last. She will but... not be the first or the last. But then on rewatch, I was like, I don't know. But now her watch has ended. I'm just kidding. This is not a Game of Thrones thing. Anyway, continue. <laughs> but I'm not sure. Like, I kind of feel like maybe there's like a little bit of like, we need to, so she was ultimately right. She needs to be, she needs to die in order for him to learn a lesson. Well, maybe, like, the respectability for the man to learn the lesson. The woman needs to make the ultimate sacrifice and prove that she is a hero, even though her uh. entire story arc is about not proving that you're a hero. Uh. I don't know. It didn't. Mary, s- I hate that reading, and I don't, I want to reject it. I know. I want to reject it. It doesn't it. sit. It doesn't sit well with me, and it doesn't bring me joy to deliver it. But this was so, a story. When I went into this, I was like, I love this storyline. And I watched it, and I was like, do I love this storyline? Okay, and so, as a rebuttal, not because I have a great argument against the point you just made, but just in terms of what I love about this. Um, Vice Admiral Holdo is a badass who holds her own, who yep. uh, kicks off Finn, not Finn, kicks off Poe, who uh, commands her ship and at the last minute pulls off a maneuver that nobody else has pulled off because they had special prototype shields or something. I don't know. Who, who know, doesn't whatever. matter. Doesn't there's, matter. Doesn't matter. It does there's, happen. There's reasons in canon. I'm not going to explain it to you all. The bottom line is who through a beautiful sequence where the sound goes out and it feels like you're actually watching a space opera. You see like this like light speed maneuver when all the ships just split apart and it's gorgeous and that being her legacy is incredible is all I'm going to say. It is. all I'm going to say. It absolutely, it absolutely is. And while she didn't need to die in terms of like, I don't, I don't think she needed to die in terms of her character needing, being like powerful. I'm saying what an incredibly powerful moment in the film. Yes. And that is why that is, that is why it does not bother me. The way that it bothers you, not because you didn't make valid points, you did, and they're all very powerful. And I'm just gonna have to ignore them for right now. <laughs> can we can we segue right into Leia because we're talking about? I Leia. was about to say, let's talk about our girl Leia. Okay. All right. So I would like to. I'm gonna get white hot here. I'm gonna talk about uh, two early scenes with well, three early scenes with Leia, real quick, just to mm-hmm. get us a little brief overview, and uh, and then I'd love you to add or take away or anything but early on the movie we have three very important Leia moments number one numero uno Leia 
both telling uh, Poe to pull back because she doesn't want to lose as many people. And even when they're successful in taking down the Dragnaught, looking at the screen and we see, like, how many people she lost, which is, like, most of her people yep. in that maneuver. And how much that weighs on her. And the fact that she actually does, like, reckon with the cost of war and then it matters to her. Yep. Scene the second. Kylo Ren is coming up with uh, two people following him to attack her ship and then senses her and she senses him and he senses her and she senses him. And there's this beautiful moment wherein Adam Driver and Carrie Fisher both really deliver amazing facial performances of feeling each other, recognizing each other. And he's like battling with his emotions. Like, I can't kill my mom. I love her. And she like senses him and then they get shot anyway. And she knows it's not coming from him. And she flies out there. But that's just like a beautiful facial acting moment for Carrie Fisher. And then number three of these early scene moments that a lot of people hated and I loved. Because in every Star Wars movie, original trilogy and new trilogy, you learn another force power. It always happens. Leia is able to save herself and fly back into the ship. And we get to see Leia using the force for the first time in live action canonical history. And it's bad ass yeah tell me i'm wrong mary you're not don't, that, don't tell that me particular wrong. moment you're not wrong although the fact that she was dead at that point carrie fisher did make that scene very sad for me no <laughs> it didn't, it, that's not what, the did fault it make of the it movie? sad that she was able to like fly back in or did it make it sad that she went out in the um first place? because a lot of people wanted her to just die there and i I'm no, 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 no. I didn't did. want her to die there. I I think they would have made different choices, and I'm kind of surprised they didn't change the editing a little bit. The fact that you see her skin freeze and you, like, see her die, I would not have done that. Given that she's... Sure. I mean, I know everyone's mortal and eventually everyone's going to be dead, but, like, it was... I remember in the theater being, like, like, like crumbling in my seat and being like, I can't believe... We're watching her die this horribly. Like, I cannot believe. Because, yeah. like, deaths in Star Wars are not graphic, generally. And yeah. it, it, it struck me. But that's, that's it's just hard for me to divorce those feelings. Sure, sure, sure. I I feel that. Yeah. Um, I do think, I do like that uh, she delivers by far, well, she has the worst workplace behavior and the like singular moment of workplace behavior and best singular moment of workplace behavior um tell me i'll start with the bad one she should not have slapped poe that is crazy when that happens wait which i'm sorry when he comes back on her when he comes back on the on the on her ship after disobeying her orders she slaps him in the face this is not good what i didn't like about it i mean like it's not appropriate anyway but, it's not a, it's 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 inappropriate workplace. It's weird, but like I mean that's ridiculous because we're in Star Wars. But what I didn't like about it is I felt like after watching it again, I was like, I wonder if that's like kind of like one of those gentle ways of saying that these two characters are at a point in their relationship where they have started to cross lines with each other and are kind of okay with it. She can smack him without it being assault. And he can not listen to her and it not be insubordination. And that's wrong. <laughs> that's a false equivalency. Why did they do that? I wish they hadn't. I really wish they hadn't. I hate that. The thing that I did really like is... I respect I feel that, like, by the way. Yeah. The thing I really like about this um, this particular... Like, I feel like this particular movie, what I'm saying is it like kind of toes up to the line and then takes two steps back. 
she makes sure that the workplace lesson lands when she says, you do the right thing, you don't do the thing that makes you look the most awesome. And I'm glad she does it. That is the most succinct, best lesson in this story, which has like a beginning, a middle, and an end, and she bookends it perfectly. She's like, boom, there it is. Yeah. That is the lesson, Poe. You listen. There needed to be more of that in this film, frankly. There needed to be more people times, as silly as it sounds, where they t- where like a character says, yeah, this is what the message is. <laughs> like, this is the lesson. Here's what you're supposed to do. Um, what's funny is that, like, literally the phrase, this is the lesson, is said so many times in this movie. So. <laughs> I know, but a lot of it is just, like, someone saying, this is what's true, and then Luke being like, you're this wrong, is... and then not no, telling no, them. No, no, what's, what's even better wrong? is it's like, this is the lesson. There is no lesson is more like what Luke says over oh. and over again. And then This is twice, why you twice, don't teach like, lessons. <laughs> twice he's like, you know what's interesting about everything you just said? Every single word you said was wrong. Oh and it's funny because, like, you get Mark Hamill to give some really amazing performances that are so many steps above. That's impossible. Or, but I want to go talk to you. You should buy some power converters. Yep. And you actually get some really amazing uh, I think he's really Mark good Hamill Luke performances. Yeah, he's so good. I think he's really good. He's so this. good. Do you think it's important that Leia is the last remaining? So, like, they didn't know that Carrie Fisher was going to die. We we can we can conceive of that like right the first movie is Han teaching lessons, this movie yep. is Luke teaching lessons, and the last, and the last movie one was going to be Leia, Leia teaching, teaching lessons. lessons. And they didn't yeah. they didn't know they didn't know they didn't know so they couldn't you know they couldn't have known they couldn't have they known have structured it the opposite way. Does that order I think it's make powerful. sense to you? I think so because I think Leia being the last one is makes her the most powerful, and I think that makes sense because Leia has continued the fight consistently and Leia is also a woman teaching a woman I think that would have been a really amazing story I certainly like it I'm not sure it makes sense only because this is like a big mess <laughs> but like I think it should have started with Luke probably I don't love okay. the whole Luke being lost I think it should have probably gone Luke Han Leia is pro- I think probably how it should have gone what's cool about Luke being the uh mentor in this one the master is that you have this beautiful symmetry in the scene at the beginning wherein Snoke is talking to Kylo Ren and he was like, when I saw you, I saw what all masters lived to see. Unbridled power. But now I wonder if I was wrong. You're weak, blah, blah, blah. Right, right, right. And then later on, you have uh, Luke and Yoda talking. And Yoda's like, we are what all masters live to see. They are what grows beyond us. And this idea that, like, if you are a good master, they outgrow you. And they do better and bigger things than you do. And that's ideal. And I do love that you're able to get that symmetry in this film. So, while I don't know if that was the right way to structure it. Seen as that is what Ryan Johnson was given, I think he does powerful things with it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? No, I love that. Let's actually talk about Ray. Because of that. Yeah, let's talk let's talk about Ray, which is great, because she's like, you know, the I... last but certainly not least of the ladies I wanna highlight. My second favorite well... thing that this movie does 
is they make her story about fresh starts and fresh perspectives, and they get rid of any baggage she could have by, like, refocusing and, like, by making her not have important parents, and they refocus the problem at hand, and I think that might be a veiled critique of Force Awakens. They're like, we're moving on. It's time to divest ourselves of the old. I love what they do with Ray. And it's interesting because I feel like Ray gets a far greater emotional range in this film. Yes. Than any other uh, than any other film I I've seen the force. I've seen Rise of Skywalker. Than any other film that she is that. in. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh <laughs> Yeah. And in The Force Awakens, she's excited and new and a little sad. And if there's a third installment, I bet she's just angry and confused and sidelined, angry, sad, you know, and uh, sidelined. And, <laughs> and in this movie, she is hopeful and confused and curious and discovering and learning and trying to find connection. And it's a huge range. She gets to act and be, I think, the most compelling, the most powerful and the strongest parts of this film are the ones that center around her, yep. which is great because it's most of the movie, so that's fine. Yep. Um, anyone who doesn't like this movie, I'm always like, okay, but like literally, what about everything that has to do with Ray? Because it's so much of the movie, and it's some of the, it's I think the best Star Wars we have. Personally. It certainly gets us to like the most interesting start for a middle the middle of a trilogy that we've ever had yeah i I mean i i love empire i think empire is a better movie than this because it's like my favorite of them all but like this is a really cool interesting place to start and it's and it's kind of a it's like a it's like a velvet brick being thrown like it's a really good idea so we should get over it but it's totally a brick like it's like let's start over first one was garbage My biggest regret of this movie for her, and it, it's not its like not even a thing because like you couldn't have fit it in. I don't know how it could be different. But it is startling <laughs> that when you get to the end and Poe introduces himself to Ray for the first time, I literally said, for the Jesus, first time how is this now just history. happening? What? Yeah, no, fair. What I think is powerful about Ray, in addition to just being a badass, like a powerful badass, is her capacity to feel... Um, her capacity to like, to desire and to empathize and to want to explore and to have like to have room in her heart for Luke and not be mad that like he's out here to want something better. Like when she is pulled together, and we'll talk about Kylo in a second and their forced time. Um, and what's cool about that, but like just her endless capacity to feel and have perspective, but to never lose sight of the goal is really cool. She is incredibly driven the way that Leia is. And in that way, she does mirror Leia the most out of any of them in this film because Leia never loses sight that they're fighting for their resistance and neither does Rey. Everything she wants to do is in sight of that fight, is in sight of, like, trying to help them. When she finally leaves Luke, it's because, like, well, I guess you're not our last hope. He is. And in reality, we all know she's their last hope. It's all about Rey. But... She doesn't see that because she's selfless as hell. It's amazing. She's powerful. Yeah. That's my take. Yeah. Or she has like horrible imposter syndrome, which also would or fit. she has would also horrible would, imposter syndrome. Which also would she fit does, being she, a woman. She, she does. Yeah. She does. But exactly. That's the thing. Like, Ray is. I think all of these characters that we've just talked about are. Their characters are impacted in an actual visible way by the fact that they're female in a way that. Maybe Ray's character in The Force Awakens wasn't. 
Mm-hmm. And that's okay that she wasn't. But just like it was it's really kind cool of not Captain okay. Marvel. It's well, it's just not as powerful. Captain Marvel's really special because Captain Marvel's a woman and that's like so much of the story. Mm-hmm. Like this movie is special because these women are women and that's part of the story. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that read about Ray. Uh, I think that Leia is basically, I, I always believe this about Leia, and I don't think it changes in this movie, so I don't, like, give it brownie points, but I also don't detract for that. Um, Hall Story's full-on does not work if she's a man. Like, just does not work. So, yeah. obviously, that's important. Um, the only one, the reason that I was like, meh, is I think Rose could be a man. I think her story is about class and race more than it's about gender, but I don't. I still don't think it matters. Like it's it's still great. I think that her love of her sister is such a, a strong line for a character and such a motivator for a character, at least in the beginning. And it does seem to be like a fall through and a totem that she carries both physically and emotionally. Totally. And yeah, we got that the, is the we only got reason. The, we got the Skywalker twins though too. I mean, it's like yeah, siblings. Yeah, yeah. I think that fair, they could they could have cast this as a man. Fine. In fact, when you read about it, I think that he envisioned this as a man, but and then changed it once he met uh, Kelly Marie Tran and like liked her um, and thought she would be a much better character than the one he wrote. Thank goodness. Um, but yeah, I, I think her story, that's the only one where I'm like, eh, it probably could be about a dude. Um, but I'm grateful that it's not cause I like Rose. Yeah, I agree. And I think I it's, think that's, it I think works that's out. Fun. I think you also get a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a forward thinking, uh, trajectory for war. Um, typically I think when we think about who is the collateral damage of war, we think about poor minority men fighting wars for us. And then we think mm-hmm. about. Um, women and children in the countries we occupy dying at their hands. Yeah. Like that's yeah. kind of the, that's like tends to be what we think about. Um, so I think that it suggests because you have these two women as the soldiers really, or really it's, it's Paige who's a soldier, but, um, but Rose is part <laughs> of it, right? Like a Rose is like a janitor right. kind of character, right? Or a mechanic. Sure. Um, that I think that that suggests that we're in a, a more forward-thinking world that is peopled with women and has women fighting these battles. Obviously, there are yeah. women in the armed services. I'm just saying... Of course. Typically, when we, we just think don't... about it, it's we think about young minority men dying. Yeah, that's not... Their their story is not the story we hear about the most. No. Let's, let's take a moment to talk about the ties that bind the darkness within. Because one of the things that's really cool about Ray's character in this movie is she does a little bit explore the dark side, not in a way that, like, in a way that doesn't feel like Luke being tempted to join the dark side with his father. Uh, She definitely suffers a temptation, but, like, she's also not as scared Mm -hmm. of the darkness. Like, it doesn't feel like an overwhelming thing to her. It's more of a curiosity. I don't know if that distinction means anything to you or to our listeners, but I think it's important. But let's talk about Kylo and Rey, because they are these two powers in the Force, uh, both alone in the galaxy, one with the weight of all of history behind him and legacy of all sorts of people on him, and one totally alone and adrift from that, but through either external machinations or internal machinations, they are drawn together and find themselves in what is cinematically done in a really interesting way in this film, uh, force-timing each other, wherein they see the other person in their own environment, but don't see where the other person is from, and we see them both experiencing this, 
from the very first when she just immediately tries to shoot him because she saw him kill Han Solo, who she cared about, through a slow evolution of they have to keep on being forced into each other's line of vision and sight and talking when they're dealing with emotional trauma. And, like, what what does that mean for the story? So, Mary, <laughs> um, do, you want, do you want to start us on that? My most flippant thing is Force Time's main uses for, hey, you up? Um, <laughs> hey, hey, baby, what up? <laughs> um, I, I will say that uh, when Kylo says things like, you're never going to get rid of me, and I've dug around in your mind, and things like that, I'm like, that's the equivalent of an unwanted dick pic, I guess. Uh, yeah. First time al- allows Rey to truly connect with her enemy in a space where they cannot fight. And yeah. it And to see him as human and vice versa. Yep. And that is something that's interesting, and I don't think that they would ever do that. I mean, like, this film is pretty... I mean, these films, this trilogy, is pretty um, risk-averse when it comes to emotions. Like, Luke fights his dad, right? So it's okay to emote because it's your dad. And she has a dude... She's a woman, so obviously we feel more comfortable as an audience watching her have feelings and empathize with another human being, because we expect that. Women are socialized that way. And yeah. in this movie, they introduce the idea... They tell you... Well, actually, one of the best things in this movie is, I finally understand why she might want to save him. And that is because she she thinks it's great that Luke saved Vader. And that never occurred to me that that might be motivation. <laughs> And I'm glad. No, I agree. She thinks it's powerful and heroic, and that's wonderful. Sure. And I was like, oh, like I've I I felt such a great sense of such a great sense of relief when she said that. When that was like when that was uh, words were put to that because I'm like, oh, I get it now. Okay, all right, yeah. So I think that this first yeah. time allows them to develop that relationship, which then further bolsters why she would actually want to save him. She has this heroic ideal for herself. And yeah. she has the vehicle to follow through with it because she has a space where they have they can talk but not kill each other. Because every yeah. other time they're in a room together, they're lightsaber dueling, basically. Always. Yeah. And the first time that she sees him, she tries to shoot him with a blaster. Yeah. You know, like, she tries to take him out and she's not able to. You're right. And so then you have a narrative construct wherein they have to just talk. And because they're both alone and they're both incredibly lonely beings, uh, they end up sharing really powerful moments. Like when he tells her that she needs to kill the past and she ends up going and exploring uh, this place of darkness, I think is 100% representative of uh, the cave in uh, Empire Strikes Back that Luke goes into. Yep. And is confronted with Vader and he slices off Vader's head and sees himself uh, in Vader's mask. (laughs) I will tell you something funny. Do you want to know why she's not at that cave? What happened to that cave? Do you want to know what happened to that cave? Did it get sucked into that weird rat hole that she looks at that's very uncomfortable to look at? No. I hate Um, that. No. (laughs) So, (laughs) in the graphic novels... Snoke takes Kylo, his new apprentice Kylo Ren there, and uh, Kylo is faced with his parents and is unable to kill them, so he destroys the cave. 
I would love I would love a rewrite of this where it's just it's just Kylo as like a Frankenstein character trying to pet kittens and pick flowers and accidentally he just smashes them with his lightsaber. Smashy smash smash. I have strong feelings about how this movie deals with fascism and how it sidesteps dealing with those issues to make Kylo a redeemable character. That is actually my issue with it. And I don't like my feminist hero, Ray, making it her mission to save him because I think that's beneath her. <laughs> I, I don't like that. Guys, guys, I'm going to put a little plug in for our bonus episode where I talk to Mary about the history of all this shit because buckle your seatbelt, M. Johnston. I agree with you when it comes to the movies, but when we talk about the wider universe, shit gets weird. Anyway, continue. But I'm not, I don't think I'm wrong there. <laughs> or, you're not wrong. Or I'll, ta- I'll speak you're not, more about you're it. You're not wrong. Um, you... You're not wrong. I just think we got two traumatized humans who find a little bit of companionship in each other's trauma and that seems to trump everything else that's happening at least a little bit for a moment when they are alone together in front of a fire and she's exploring the fact that she feels very alone and he says you're not alone anymore and she says neither are you and you know it's just a moment it's a moment it's a moment in time where they forget about everything else I suppose. I suppose it's romantic. I don't know. It just doesn't doesn't. I'm not saying me. it's romantic. I'm saying well, it's powerful. Johnson says it's romantic. That's what that scene's about. That's like when I mean, it tips fair. into romance. Definitively. Fair. You're talking about the throne room. What is, why do they have the throne room scene? It's this really cool fight scene where you get to see like two people who end up coming together at the last moment because he chooses, uh, she thinks, chooses her over uh, over his master and really he's choosing like them ro- ruling over you know the current or you know ruling order and they fight together and it's beautiful like that sequence is gorgeous their fighting is incredible it's like the best lightsaber fighting I think we see in this whole saga bar none Mary do you not do you not agree do you not think it's a beautiful sequence I do think it's a beautiful sequence the reason is there a better lightsaber duel does it matter that Snoke dies? <clears throat> I need to know what you are okay. asking in that question. So, yes, I would agree that the way it's shot is beautiful and the way it's put together is beautiful. I feel like we're supposed to be like, oh, about Snoke dying. And I'm like, no, you didn't do the work ahead of time to make me care. Because. Oh, it only matters in that, like, he's choosing to save her over, like, keeping around his jackass master who had his thumb over him. Well, okay. Here's here's how I read it. All right. So okay. that whole scene to me is supposed to show beyond a shadow of a doubt that Kylo's force soul is still in the air. Sure, he's a space Nazi, we presume. But he's also a sexy bad boy with pathos. And he needs an on-ramp to redemption. My issue with the scene is that the only insight into why we have three these three people are in this one throne room is that Kylo wishes to become Vader part two so he can feel powerful and also really stick it to his parents and his uncle. So he rebelled and he joined the First Order, which means that he has this new boss, who's Snoke, who is presumably a fascist, so now Kylo is presumably a fascist as well. But we don't get the sense that he's at all fired up about whatever the First Order actually believes in, because we don't have any ideology. <laughs> so why, why not kill Snoke? Snoke is getting in the way of what he wants. At this point, I think that he still thinks he can turn Rey 
to his side. So he's like, of course. yeah, I can hook up with of Ray. Of course, that's what we find out at the end. But yeah. in that moment, she thinks he's choosing her. That's, that's why they fight side by side. True. And in a way, he is choosing her because, like, he, like, I think that he was eventually going to try and take down his master. But in that moment, it was like, oh, I'm choosing to do it now because I don't want you to die. Yeah. Well, that's the only thing that is important. Like, what I said is a scene important. I didn't mean... Was him killing Snoke important? I meant, how cool is this fight scene? Oh, um, <laughs> so the way I read it is, I felt like he was like, well, I don't need Snoke because I don't believe any of this stuff anyway. Slicey dicey. And now I'm going to hook up with Ray, corrupt her. So to my grage, it's not the dark side, it's the grage side. Um, and that's just as good of a way as any to flip the bird to the Skywalkers and the Solos. Like, why not, right? Then we can become the most important. I don't I don't know if he was doing it for... I think he genuinely wanted her by his side as, like, the one person he felt like who saw him and what she thought she was seeing was something different than what... I agree, she but she I think seeing, he thought she was you know. going to be Sith with him. I don't think he thought yeah. he was going to oh, come 100%. to the light side. So no, he didn't. So not even a little bit. For him, this is a quest for power and re- and rebellion against the rebel. Yun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the rebellion, yet he is not rebel scum. And so I'm like, yeah, he would of course kill Snoke. Who who cares? Who cares about Snoke actually? Which I think actually Johnson also believes. I think he thought Snoke was no, yeah, that's the whole point of that. Rummy, and he was throwing him out. But I, I don't know. To- Which I don't disagree with personally. Although then we get other things that happen in the next movie that yeah. you could blame well, on getting rid of Snoke. Whatever. But then it's weird because then who is going? Indeed. So okay. So that's what happens. But then the way this movie ends, it's he's like, nope, I'm now in charge. Of yeah. everybody. The Supreme Leader is dead. Long live the I Supreme Leader. I am now the leader. Supreme Leader. I am officially the big bad now. So it makes me yep. wonder if that's, like, that's the hook that Johnson sets up. So they give him an on-ramp to redemption, and then he immediately gets back on the highway. Like, he immediately gets off the highway and is like, no, I'm a bad guy. Sorry. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's weird. I don't know quite what to make of that. Well... I don't know if uh, Ryan Johnson was hoping for him to just be the defense big bad with no nuance in the next movie, or if instead he could have n- he like, could have nuance, he just would be the bad well, guy. I I think that Ryan Johnson was setting up a world in which instead of turning Darth Vader, you're turning the Emperor and changing the world. Mm. You know, okay. Like I think that he was trying to raise the stakes. Is is my read? However, Colin Trevorrow when he wrote his draft. Uh, Kylo Ren ends up just being extinguished because he has no light side in him anymore. So you know, like whatever. It- oh, this is a Star Wars movie. There's no, there's no world where he's not going to be redeemed. It's just that they're going to redeem him, and then they're immediately going to put him like Haldo and shove him in the fridge. Um, immediately, <laughs> immediately they're going to do that. Um, what I love about the throne room fight is at the end, wherein like. She really thinks that, like, they're going to walk off in the sunset together. And like you said, he thinks the exact opposite. And she, while tempted for a moment in terms of, like, she wants him to want the things that she wants, you know, she wants them to be in agreement about what she thinks is right, which is what the audience all definitively thinks is right, because it is about saving people and stuff, you know. He isn't, and she makes the choice to immediately go for the weapon. Thank God. Because <laughs> she is, she's fucking great. 
So, Mary, do you think her compassion, empathy, uh, and empathy is strength uh, or naivete and weakness? Oh, well, I mean, obviously it's a strength. I mean, I think she thinks that if she saves Kylo and he becomes Ben again, they can take down the First Order together, presumably free all the slaves they're carefully not showing us in concentration camps um, (laughs) so that they can sell (laughs) Phasma merchandise. Um, Yeah. But and that's that's all great. I just don't understand why it has to be romantic love. That is like the thing that actually kills me about it. I would be totally fine if she was like, we are platonic peers. I respect you. You respect me. We don't have to we don't have to make this about love in a romantic sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get it. It's not the job of Ray, the most powerful oh, women to save woman men? Yeah, in I the agree. universe to save toxic men via romantic love. I know. It puts Luke in this weird position of being very father knows best also about Ray not joining Kylo. And yeah. and at the end of this, this isn't going to go the way you think it is. And in the end of this movie, he's right. And I also don't like that. Because at the end of this movie, Kylo's like, I'm all the way evil. And Ray's like, guess I got to stir up your guts with my lightsaber. Like, that's where the movie ends. <laughs> Leia, in fact, gives yeah. her absolute instruction. She's like, you may stir up my my son's guts with your lightsaber. He's all the way bad. It's over, man. Like, that is how this yeah. movie ends. So Luke actually gets to be right about her compassion, which I felt was bad. I didn't like that. No, I agree. Here's a weird thing. This is not so much a critique of this movie, but it is a critique of having a woman. So something was bothering me, and I finally figured it out while watching this movie. It is awkward to have a Ray, a woman, in a moral binary world where we're watching her come into power and have men basically tell her she has to control it and she has to not get angry while the toxic male side is like, hey, girl, there's a lot of stuff to be mad about. Just let it rip. That is weird to watch. So that is something that uh, a lot of people were hoping for in the next installment that doesn't exist, obviously, and we've never seen was that um, instead of Rey having to be all good or evil, that the idea of the Jedi is being like, you can't feel, like, that passion's bad, that, like, feeling love is not great if it's love for, like, a person is bad, and that she could maybe reject that and find a middle way, and that that would be the new order. Women coming into their power have to learn how to use their rage, And toxic men tell you to swallow your rage. So this is another thing where I'm like, oh, the Grage side. Like, that's what he's telling. He's telling her to get mad. She should get mad. She has a lot of things to get mad about. Yes. Why? I feel like it could be so easily fixed by being like, you know what? Ray's just going to figure out how to use her rage effectively within the light side because that's what grown ass powerful women do. We're all allowed to be mad. There's a lot to be mad about. I feel like if we had had even a single um, woman involved with any of this, we would have we would have probably had something about that, but we didn't, so we don't. I'm not holding any of that against Kathleen Kennedy, who did her best and was attacked on all sides, so, you know, and also has my name. Kathleen's forever. Why do people keep telling Kylo he's no Vader? Vader... <laughs> Was a traitor to the dark side in the end. And I assume that all those people and like had an act of treason that brought down the Who entire. says he's not a Vader? Uh, Snoke tells him he's not Vader. He's told multiple times, you're just a boy. You're no Vader. I'm like, Vader is a traitor and he brought down the Empire. 
and oh, how yeah, we watch no, those Ewoks I, I dance. Agree. Why? So, so here's why. Why wouldn't this they? This is my theory. Why wouldn't they not? Like, we, it makes sense that the Empire would retcon him as a false bad prophet. Like everyone tells him he's so, not Vader, and it's so annoying in this movie and in the other movie too. Here's here's my take, and it's the same reason why you're allowed to root for Ben Solo in this movie and in the prequel trilogy. We are supposed to believe that there's a difference between Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader. Just like there's a difference between Ben Solo and Kylo Oh, Ren. so the traitor is so, Anakin. Yes. Uh... That's why. Because in their minds, Vader existed up until he died somewhere in the Emperor's throne room. And then Anakin came out and saved Luke. That, that is why. That's so And that's why we get the Anakin Force Ghost weird. at the end. I just I know I don't I know but I'm telling you that that is canonically why that's what Ray keeps on saying she's like Ben Solo she doesn't talk about Kylo Ren being a good guy she's like Ben Solo is still has light in him like his decision hasn't been made you know and she even calls him Ben several times you know yeah because this is the trickiness with dealing with a moral with a moral binary and I feel like none of these of directors course. have a handle on it in a way that pleases none of them me. are able to do that because it's also not like it's, it's hard. not a contemporary idea yeah. it's not a contemporary no. thing to explore it, it belongs strictly in mythology and you can't blend mythology and contemporary ideas successfully without like taking on some actual explanation and some oh, exposition. Uh, yeah, you can't uh, bring mythology into contemporary ideas without a lot of exposition. Or you just commit to what you're doing one way or the other and just move forward Ex- from there. Exactly. exactly. Which I don't think any of them really do. Let's talk about Luke and his island that he's basically made into an enormous low ropes course for daily life. I am a rock. I am an island. Do, 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 Get away, yucky forest. Pew, pew, pew. No, I don't want to feel anything. We got some Simon Garfunkel. We got some pew pews. It's fine. So I think it's interesting that we are dealing with a fallen hero, kind of. Someone who... Because also it doesn't really make a ton of sense why he would be away on an island if he wasn't intentionally trying to hide there, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. So, so like, at the very beginning he's of the movie, really important he's, like, business he's, to like, do. he's like, why do you think I was on the most unfindable island if, you, if, like, if I wanted to fight in this war? I don't, you know? And so everyone was, like, mad at Ryan Johnson for ruining Luke, you know, but I do feel like Ryan Johnson was saying, hey... Why would he be out here, JJA, if he wants to fight? I can't imagine why, so he obviously doesn't. And, you know, fair. This hero that's given up, that's closed himself off from the Force entirely, which I feel like is a powerful concept in this world where we know about Jedi and we know about Luke's history. Um, Mary, do you think that this is effective? The most effective thing is him questioning whether or not Jedis matter at all. In my opinion. Yes. That's my, that's yes. the best stuff. Especially because when you watch the prequels, which I don't like recommend, uh, I was like, I will order. never watch the prequels again. But like, they literally just sit by and say like, meditate on this, I will. And like, let the Sith come and take over and let Emperor Palpatine or Darth Sidious like rise to power. Like hmm. they, like, he's not wrong. They've got a track record of some bullshit. You know, it's almost as if it's almost as if if they're in power, it's not functionally different. And uh, they start all the same wars and uh, call, and don't pass all the same bills that we pass now. Yep. It's almost like that. Yep. 
it's almost like it doesn't matter between the puppet on the left it's and almost, the puppet on the right. It's almost there's a word yeah. I'm searching for, neo neoliberal. It's almost like that. Yeah, it's almost like <laughs> neoliberalism. It's almost Guys, you like should that. still go out and vote. Anyone but the baked potato 2020, okay? Just We're saying. We're not saying that anyone. until the Iowa caucus is over. Whatever, dudes. No. Which actually might be when this comes out. We're not saying that. No. <laughs> Give a damn now, and then when we have Give a, a candidate, now. please vote for that person, even if it's of repulsive of, to do of, so. Of, of of course. But give a damn now. Because because we're still going to try and vote out Darth Sidious, unlike the Jedi who didn't even realize who Darth Sidious was. Okay, we already know who Darth Sidious is. He hasn't already taken supreme powers and become like our emperor. Let's just keep that from happening. Because if another, anyway, another elite neoliberal explains to me how they're worried that the children who are voting these days might, not, might pout and stay home because they don't get their way, I'm going to punch my hand through a wall. Anyway. Fair. And you know what? It'll be deserved. Yeah. And fuck those guys. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, no, I I think that's powerful too. And the idea that like, you know, obviously the force is around and part of everything and the idea that the force would be gone if the Jedi were gone is vanity, I think is really powerful. Really powerful. But I also think that it's really interesting that when he does make his final sacrifice at the Battle of Crate and like expends all of his power, which is Kind of, we see uh, foreshadowed when uh, the first force time between Kylo and Rey, wherein he's like, you're not doing this. The effort alone would kill you. And I'm like, she's powerful. But then we find out, you know, the effort alone, you know, was able to eventually drain all the life force from Luke. So, you know, it was it was a big effort. But but I, I thought that this was powerful. I thought it was effective. I liked calling in the fact that the Jedi kind of maybe sucked. I liked reckoning with past failures. And I liked still coming out to fight anyway because sometimes it's worth fighting even if you don't know that you can turn the tide or make everyone win. Yeah. There's things worth fighting for. There's a lot to be mad about. Yeah. There's very little about this story that I don't like. The only thing I pretty much don't like about this part of the story is I hate how zany the island is. Do you not like the porks? They are cute, but they are like cuckoo bananas zany. I feel like it's like him being like, I'm too cool to build a sincere SW landscape. Um, And I'm like, no, you're not, As we've already touched on in this episode, you at least agree the baby Yoda's cute, right? Oh, baby Yoda's adorable. Um, so you're not you're not immune to cuteness. No, but I am I am a little bit immune to constant pratfalls happening to little nun aliens running around an island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair. Unlike thus the uh, Luke's island, I really like the Salt Planet. Yeah, I think that I that's love really beautiful, Crate. and I think that that's it's what happens. So beautifully done. That's what happens if you. Like, do something sincere. I think he sincerely thought that was beautiful. And it is cool. And it's a little schlocky. But it's fun. I like it. No, I... Yeah, exactly. I love it. I love that initially in the trailers you think it's like snow. But I love that underneath this layer of salt you have red clay and Don't red worry. We got that exposition I... Sally who's like, Ma! Salt! <laughs> don't <laughs> yeah, worry. No, I, don't, I don't care. I fucking love it. <laughs> and it's effectively used when you're watching the feet. Because even though when I watched... The movie, like, definitely the first didn't time notice through, it the first time, yes. But I noticed the feet, but I didn't clock what it meant, no. you know, because they're showing you, but like, you don't think twice about it because you're so caught up in the moment. But I love that they left all the breadcrumbs. So it's not like, how did they do that? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. how they did mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. It's very clever. Um, Good filmmaking. What a thought. And I like, I like the final thing where uh, Luke is an unhittable target because I think it's a, um, 
manifestation of Ben's internal rage, which we would believe is is inherent to him and not yeah. an outside force. Um, yeah. And I think that this is the force projection version of an iconic moment from Arrested Development, uh, if you'll permit me. Please. White Power Kalo. I hate you, Luke. You hate White Power Kalo. White Power Kalo. I hate the government! Luke, you hate White Power Kalo. White Power Kalo. I hate my father! Thanks for a second, White Power Kalo. I hate White Power Kalo. <laughs> yeah. That is the one hundred percent. That is what it is. I think it's like it's like a it's a beautiful um, it's a beautiful visualization of that where like the thing that he is trying to kill the thing he's trying to crush he can never crush it because it's internal. Yeah, because it's yeah it's it's not about Luke at all. Mary, before we go into our final point that we always talk about with our films, is this movie important? It's a feminist. Is it interesting from a feminist perspective? I would like to read a tiny excerpt on the character of Ray from the book Women of the Galaxy by Amy Ratcliffe. So in the section they have on the character Ray, uh, at the very end of her ti- entire write-up, it says, Kylo tells Ray that her parents were filthy junk traders who didn't want her. The last Jedi director and writer, Ryan Johnson, described it as the hardest possible thing she could have heard. Ray's been hinging a part of her identity on reconnecting with her family. She has to reassess who she is and do so among the turmoil of the supremacy exploding around her. But she listens to the light side of the force and commits to it. Even after she's heard about her parents, even after she no longer has a teacher to guide her, she brings hope where it is needed most to Luke, Leia, and the Resistance. Even beyond the trappings of the Star Wars saga, the First Order, the Resistance, the Force, Ray's story is inspiring, familiar, and timeless. Just because you come from nothing doesn't mean you're not a part of the story. You're not no one, because anybody can save the galaxy. Anybody. And I wanted to share this while this little gem in this beautiful book is canonically important and relevant, and say... That what I think is important and feminist and interesting in no small part is the idea that Ray, from admittedly nowhere, who is admittedly no one, can be the thing that keeps the resistance alive and can save the galaxy. Before we get into any of the other wonderful things we talked about, the powerful women, the roses of the world, that this movie is objectively and undeniably important and feminist. I mean, I, I love that passage, for sure. This movie, as we said, is a brick thrower um, at the Star Wars universe in general, which ha- kind of, for me, makes me feel, I, I empathize with why people don't like it because of that, because it is aggressive, and but yeah. but some of some of it is absolutely not meant to be aggressive. Mostly, I understand and empathize with people who don't like it because it is aggressive. I have I also have an entire set of things that I like about it which I don't think anybody else really talks about which is makes me feel kind of lonely. I also have a bunch of stuff in there that I really don't like about it which I no one else certainly has ever talked about it with me which also makes me feel lonely. <laughs> and then there's a bunch of nasty nerds who don't like this for reasons that are not because it was aggressive towards them but because they're misogynists and jerks and I don't feel sorry for them and I th- I wish that they would all set themselves on fire. Um, I, M. Johnston, can I ask you? Yes. Have you talked to us about things you liked and didn't like about this movie? Yeah. On this podcast? Yeah. 
One hundred percent. Well, I don't. I would like to say that everything you've said has been reasonable, understandable, and you should not feel alone about Aww, it. And I'm you. sure that there are people listening who agree with you. Thank you. Well, I just I don't think of course these movies really are not. I don't think necessarily none of the movies we do are meant to hold up to this kind of scrutiny. But it sure is fun. <laughs> The best thing that happens in this movie, and the most to me the most important and feminist thing that happens in this movie, is the introduction of Rose. It's incredibly important and powerful, and she's a great character. Yeah. And everyone who says otherwise can... Soak their head. Lightsaber okay. noise. Lightsaber noise. Um, pew, 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 pew. That's a blaster. Pew, pew. I'm, I'm not an idiot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, oh my, no one thought... I was not at all confused. You just can't really do the, like a... Shoom, 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 shoom. shoom. <laughs> That's yeah. less cool than going pew, 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 pew. pew. Um, uh, well, that was great, Mary. Uh, good time. What a fine, fine time. Fine, <laughs> anyway. fine fun. I'm sorry I'm such a grump, but, you know, it's all good. Whatever. I, th- I, th- I think we came out in a positive space is yeah. my my take. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, get ready, because <laughs> next week we're going real crazy. <laughs> If you loved The Rise of Skywalker and would like to understand why no one else did, we will walk you through it in clear, excruciating detail. Yeah. Uh, we'll start off succinct and then we'll we'll dive right in into, uh, into the great ocean of my despondency. Uh. Yep. Yep. I got, I got yep. a little TED Talk prepared. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's a a good-ass time. Buckle in. Look us up next time when we talk about Rise of Skywalker. In the meantime. Thank you, as always, for listening to our sweet little podcast, Space Bras. Head on over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you're listening to us on. um, And subscribe to us, rate us, or leave us a glowing, hopefully glowing, review. Five stars. Oh, five stars. Uh, be sure to visit our website also, outrageousmechanisms.com slash space dash bras. Um, and also find us on Instagram and Twitter for uh, fun content like Baby Yoda or Christmas ornaments. And you know what? If you contact us, uh, I will make you an ornament. I'll think at least think strongly about it. Um. <laughs> if you contact us with a screenshot of your review... Oh, I will make you an ornament. Yes, I agree to that. It might it might take a while, but I will do it. Yeah, um, before next Christmas, you'll have a Baby Yoda ornament. I think yeah. that that's a that's as fair a thing as ever. Yeah, and I love that I'm just agreeing and uh, promising for Mary. So I'll address the uh, the packages. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm out of here too. <laughs> if you think I'm not going right. to send you a like a kit and a tutorial to make some of these, you got no thick coming. <laughs> I know you've got crafty skills and a glue gun. You're yeah, fine. I, I do. I do, girl. I'm 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 here. I'll I'll bring it with you. Um, yeah. well, <clears throat> and for now, let us raise our glasses and uh, join in the official Space Bros toast. In these troubled times, we must remember that even though everyone else might suck, we are awesome, and the galaxy is ours. Cheers. Out. 
outrageous.